Thank you for tuning in to the ADHD Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Gloria Joy Sherrod, licensed clinical professional counselor and ADHD expert, and I'm here to share with you a wealth of information on how you can manage your ADHD in adulthood. Hello, everyone. I am here with Amber Taylor, who is a pleasure priority coach. Am I right? You are correct. Awesome. Okay. So what brought this about was that the last episode that I recorded, um, I had someone talking about going to a pleasure coach, that they went to a pleasure coach and it really helped them with some aspects of their ADHD. And it was funny because like probably a week or two before that, I had been Googling what the heck is a pleasure coach? Like what do pleasure coaches do? And I could not find any like concrete answers. And so then I was like, wait a minute, I know somebody who's a pleasure coach. So I'm so excited that you agreed to be on the podcast and kind of explain what you do and how you can help people. And then also about your own ADHD story. For sure. Yeah, I'm super excited to be here. And from my perspective, what a pleasure coach is, is, well, one thing I'll caveat is in the coaching industry, there are no mandates or regulations as there are in like psychology. So you can literally just say, I'm an ex-coach and then that's that's what you are. Um, and so there is a lot of... Uh, questioning that you have to do as a client of what do I want? What am I looking for? Are certifications important to me? What types, what types do I trust? And um, what's the result that they're promising that I need in my life? And so that's what I tell people to look for. But what I do as a pleasure coach is I help people enjoy life more. So what pleasure means to me is anything that brings you joy or satiation, anything that feels good. So in my book, that's both sexual and non-sexual pleasure. Um, And it's really just orienting more towards what feels good, what's fun, what you actually like, what you actually want, and revolving and building your life around that. And to me, pleasure is a revolution because when we look inward, when we ask ourselves, what do I want? What do I like? What are my desires? What do I need right now? We're not looking to other people for answers. We're not trying to people please. We're not trying to fit in somebody else's box of who we should be, quote unquote. Like we're we're being who we are and we're walking in our purpose because we're constantly aligned with ourselves. Um, so I help people understand themselves more, understand what their body's telling them, understand how to heal and work with their trauma and their nervous systems and overall how to enjoy life more. I love that. Okay. And so what kind of people do you typically work with? What kind of people typically need this kind of service? Yeah. Well, everybody needs it in my opinion. True. (laughs) True. Yeah, I work with um, women of color, the high achievers, recovering people pleasers, the people who have traditionally been giving everything they got to others um, and looking to put a little bit more focus back on themselves. Awesome. And what led you to want to be a pleasure coach? It was an interesting journey. Uh, I definitely didn't set out to be a pleasure coach or even a life coach in general, but Um, I was in a point in my life where, you know, I did all the things. I followed all the rules. I went to school and I got good grades and I got a good job and I found somebody who wanted to marry me and uh, all the things. And I was like, okay, I'm supposed to be happy now, right? 
And then I wasn't. And I was just like, I was bamboozled. I was lied to. I did, I did all the things. And so then that's when I started looking for, okay, like what's missing? What do I want? What would make me happy? And that's when I initially found coaching and what it is, working with a coach, like just diving in head first. So, you know, ADHD brain, I was just like, oh my God, something I'm interested in jump in. (laughs) So I got my certification from a perspective of, I just want to learn more. I just want to understand more and not necessarily like, this is what I want to do. Because again, like I had a good job. I was um, in the tech industry. I was making a lot of money. I had really good prospects in my career. Like I had people who were nurturing me and wanted to help me. Like my corporate story was pretty freaking good. Um, but again, I wasn't happy. So it was kind of during 2020 that all this was taking place. And then I was in the midst of the certification when all of 2020 kind of happened. And I was looking around at my peers, at my family, at like all these different people and seeing how they were handling things and that how I was handling them differently, how I didn't have to bottle up everything anymore, how I could let myself be angry, how I could like do something with my emotions and not just like come to work and everything's fine, everything's okay, but really I'm ready to kill people. Uh, And uh, I just saw a gap in the industry. I saw a way that I could help people. And I said, like, I, I could fill that gap. And Honestly, I started more from a trauma perspective of um, being a trauma coach and uh, like helping people from that aspect. But as I kind of dove more deeply into the work, of course, the work still resonated with me. But the way I talk to people and talk about my services and communicate with people, it was just so heavy and not a good time, not fun. Uh, And as I was getting deeper into trauma work, I was noticing the correlation between trauma and pleasure and uh, pain and pleasure and how deeply they're correlated. And our experience with one illuminates our experience with other, the other and the way that we are familiar with our pain or our pleasure uh, highlights how we would be on the other side as well. So I decided to like just switch gears and become a pleasure coach and help people orient towards pleasure. Long I love that. Yes, <laughs> I will say that I also, as a therapist, started in the trauma realm, and I just could not. Um, it's mm-hmm. not. It's difficult. It is really difficult to listen to deep trauma every day, day in and day out. Um, so I get that. I wonder. I have like a million different thoughts. I'm like trying to organize which one I want to ask first. But so we actually also went to middle school and high school together. Yeah. And from what I remember of you, you were like a gifted kid. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. Is that what I want to call it? <laughs> You're like yes. I don't know. I mean. It, it, Yeah, (laughs) there's been research since of those gifted programs, but yeah, I was in them. (laughs) Yes. Okay. And so I'm wondering when I'm thinking about the dynamics of like a gifted program and what gifted kids go through, because I'm learning that a lot of people with ADHD are also gifted. And then especially in adulthood, it all kind of crumbles a bit. Would you say that that directly correlates to the issues that you are beginning to see in adulthood? Um. I'd say growing up, my experience was unique in how I noticed my ADHD. 
because I remember being young, probably like elementary school, and I knew I was having trouble focusing. Um, but I also had this thing where I was not just respectful of authority, but I think terrified of authority too. And I like I never wanted to be in trouble or mess up. So I like had a very strong um like desire in my head to just like be a good girl, sit up straight, don't talk, like don't like, and that was more strong than I guess my ADHD tendencies at the time. And I I remember like straight up telling my parents, like, I'm having trouble focusing and it wasn't in those words because I didn't know how to say that but they were like that's some white people shit you need to try harder and <laughs> that's what you I, and me both <laughs> I was just like oh I guess I don't have these issues I guess they are just white people issues and I just need to try harder so I made up so many things that I now see as like coping mechanisms, but I would make up games with myself to help me remember things or remember people's names or what I had to do that day or remembering to get homework for which classes and all that kind of stuff. Like I made a game for everything because I had to try harder. Um, And I think in my story structure, was really important to kind of barring ADHD and fear of um, getting in trouble or letting somebody down or like all that kind of stuff. So I didn't really notice um, until it was more into my adulthood. And my therapist was like, have you ever thought about this? Have you ever gotten tested for this? And I was just like, nah, that's white people shit. (laughs) And then I got tested and lo and behold, Wow. (laughs) And so when you got tested, what kind of professional did you go to and how did they test you? Um, I I can't even remember my therapist credentials, Um, but I know I was in Washington. I I had that good job, so I had good insurance. Um, (laughs) That helps. Yeah. So I don't remember if he was like LP, you know, whatever. Um, but he, he was a licensed therapist and he gave me, um, like quite a few like written tests and, uh, like to talk me, how, how did it go? Did he talk to other people or was it just me? Um, I can't even fully remember, but it was a written you test. Did written tests. Okay. So there are some written tests that like an LCPC or an LCSW can do. And then there are other tests that only like a psychologist can do. Mm-hmm. So they're probably sounds like they might've been a psychologist. I think so. That makes sense. So that okay. was also like anti-psychiatrist at the time. Cause I was like, I don't want medicine. Da, 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 da. So I didn't know what the hell was going on with me either, but um, yeah, that makes and- sense. Where are you at with the medicine thought now? I know last time we talked, you were kind of curious about it. Yeah, I am open to it, but I've also been trying like implementing more holistic stuff and um, supplements that have been helping as well. And I also have less of a desire to not present as ADHD, like a more like, yep. That's what it is. I'll be late. See you then. Yes. (laughs) Yes. I love that. Okay, cool. And what kind of supplements have been helpful for you? Yeah. So I, and it's kind of a mix with 
everything, not just ADHD, um, but magnesium, um, 5-HTP, uh, L-tyrosine. Let me see. I'm like, I have them in my kitchen and I'm probably forgetting a lot more, but um, uh, iron, vitamin D as well, um, uh, like an overall multivitamin, and probably some more. Well, okay. <laughs> it's not a day thing for me at this point. For sure. Yes, I take quite a few of those as well. And just as a disclaimer to listeners, definitely talk to your doctor before you start supplements. Also get your blood work, get your blood work, know what you're deficient in and take vitamins for the things you are deficient in. So that's my soapbox about those. Um, Okay, sorry, we kind of got off track, but it was a good off track. Let's see. So where are we? Yep, asked that. Okay, here we are. So what, how do you see this type of coaching helping people with ADHD specifically? Yeah, so it's not something that I've planned in this way, but it actually works out to work really well with ADHD brains because I'm all about essentially following the dopamine um, and working with somebody in the way that they naturally work in the way that they naturally gravitate towards instead of trying to make them fit in this very neurotypical, typical standard of how to operate. So um, I think I'm very ADHD friendly. Awesome. Yes. I, um, somebody else. So the person that actually brought up pleasure coaching to me was basically saying that, like, you know, we were even just talking about cooking and they were saying like, you know, I enjoy cooking because it helps me be mindful and I get creative and that their pleasure coach really helped them begin to enjoy doing that task. And after they said that, I kind of thought about it and I'm like, actually, I kind of do enjoy cooking as well. It's the planning and the grocery shopping and the like beforehand having everything set up that I don't like, but it helped me be able to appreciate when it's time to actually like get in the kitchen and cook the food. Like, actually, I can enjoy this part. Is that something that you see often? Yeah, for sure. Um, like kind of just resonating with that story as well. For me, my enjoyable part of cooking is cooking for other people, um, like hosting or whatever. Like if I'm having anybody over, it could be like one person or like a party. I really like getting down in the details of well, what do they like eating? What are their allergies? How do I set that up? Like what? And then I love when people like show up and they taste it and it's like, oh, it's the best thing ever. Like I, that's what I live for, but then cooking for myself day to day is a drag. Uh, so I had to figure out for me how I could make that process more fun. And like, my thing is gamification. So I made a game out of it of, uh, like, like little popsicle sticks and having different, um, like, you know, the protein, the carb, the veggie, and just pulling sticks and being like, okay, this is the meal for the week or pull a few, these are the meals for the week. And then basing that on my grocery shopping. So I'm not like thinking too hard or having to plan too much. It's like this spontaneous thing that I can do. And they're like, all right, these are the rules. And now you work within them. Um, so that's helped me a lot too. And then that was my tangent. What was the original question? You answered it. And I'm even halfway forgetting. Um, <laughs> oh, yes if that was something that you see often that people kind of learn to enjoy something that they didn't enjoy before. 
Yes. Okay. Yeah. Full circle. So um, that's kind of like that for everything of, especially when people like think that they should enjoy something or they used to enjoy it and now they don't enjoy it as much. And it's really just opening themselves to their present experience and how they feel about that thing now and exploring why they may or, uh, or may not like it as much and then figuring out how can we edit the experience? How can we edit your mindset around the experience? How can we edit um, like anything to make this situation more enjoyable for you? And then it's just like figuring out what the right thing is to edit. For sure. Okay. That's very similar to what I do in um, ADHD coaching is really helping people follow the dopamine in that way and making things fun and easier at the same time, which can be hard depending on what it is. Yeah. Um, But when I was thinking about pleasure coaching originally, I wanted to make an episode actually about um, ADHD and sex and how a lot of people have difficulties focusing um, and that can impede on the process and all of those different things, understimulation, overstimulation. So how do you approach sex specifically with pleasure coaching? Yeah, so I focus on the individual and again, coming back to presence. So a lot of my clients will come in and it's not necessarily, oh, I can't focus on this, but what I am focusing on is like my partner's experience. Do they think that I look good right now? Do they, are they having a good time? Are they like, it's more focused on the other person or people instead of themselves. And then, so it's one centering them back in that position. Like, how do you feel right now? Are you actually enjoying what's happening? Do you need more pressure, less pressure, more speed, less speed? Are you comfortable to voice that? Um, So that's like a whole nother aspect of like being able to voice what you want, what you don't want, how you feel, what you'd like more of, what you'd like less of, um, and be able to communicate that not only in the bedroom, like in the actual experience, but also outside of it of like, y'all are just, I don't know, sitting on the couch and like, Hey, when you did that thing with the thing, like, I don't really like that. Um, or when you did don't ever do that shit again. Um, <laughs> uh, just having the conversation, um, or being able to have the conversation. So I think, uh, presence is one voicing, having a voice is two. And then, um, Three would be exploration because sex is fun. It's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be intimate. It's supposed to be um, a reconnection back to yourself or a connection to someone else. And so I like to give a lot of personal play assignments uh, just to know yourself better, know what you like better, because you will always be your own number one partner um, and expecting somebody else to know you, know your body, know your spots better than you do is not just a tall ask, but an impossible ask, because even though they may have it at one point in time, and that's a feat in and of, of itself, you're going to change your body's going to change or you're going to experience different things. Like what if you, I don't know, fall down the stairs, break your ankle and you don't like stand up sex no more. So that's <laughs> that spot that was, that used to hit is like not an option anymore. How do we figure this out? It's like it starts with you. Um, so yeah, personal plays, diamonds, and then just exploration. Awesome. And what do you think is like the top, 
well, what are the top two reasons why someone might not want to speak up or feel comfortable speaking up about what they desire? Mm. Um, offending somebody else, um, like like something to do with somebody else of either like offending them or uh, not wanting to make them upset or not wanting to hurt their feelings or like something in that line. Uh, so we have that people pleasing aspect. And then um, the other aspect would be, again, kind of with people pleasing, but not wanting to appear too needy or um, like a burden or like they're asking too much. Um, yeah, those would be the top two, I think. Okay. And that kind of makes me think of the difference between therapy and coaching is that it sounds like you're really dealing hands-on with the outcomes of, of trauma, really. Um, people not wanting to speak up, people being afraid that they're being a burden, very much trauma responses. But you as a coach, you're like, okay, this is how you're going to be more assertive. This is how you're going to ask for what you need versus mm -hmm. in therapy, kind of really digging into that trauma and the background and everything that happened in the past. Yeah, yeah. And I would say there are overlaps because we do get into it sometimes of um, like what did happen? How did it happen? How did it make you feel and all that kind of stuff? But at the same time, in my work, it's not necessary or required for me to hear their story. Um, but we do still work with it in different ways. Um, like I do somatic coaching as well. So even like they don't even have to recount the experience to me of what happened, but we can work with a feeling and um, they could be like, oh, like my heart is pounding. I have this tightness in my chest. Or, and then we just work with that. And so they can titrate the experience and they don't have to necessarily relive or reopen that trauma, but they can um they can touch it in ways that are safe for them. So it gets to the point where it's, it doesn't affect them as much. Wow. Okay. That is very much um, in line with the things that I've learned. So I'm trained in EMDR. I don't know if you're familiar with that kind of therapy, but very much the idea that you don't have to always have someone share their trauma, but sometimes they can just kind of deal with the somatic aspects of it and learn to cope better as the thing that they do at this moment, because that's what they're comfortable with. Mm -hmm. I love that coaches also are trained in that because I feel like there's a big fear within my field that like people are going to um, have some emotional flooding if they do coaching that kind of touches trauma. So that's good to hear. Yeah. Um, Sorry, yeah. just on that aspect, uh, again, it, it like I have taken the effort to get additional certifications and trainings and all the things, but again, it's an unregulated industry. So if that is important to you or if um, trauma uh, trauma informed or trauma trained is important for you, don't be afraid to look up or ask a coach their training with that. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah. Absolutely. Very important. And at what point would you say someone go to therapy instead or in addition to? Um, I always recommend therapy. Uh, if uh, my clients have never worked with a coach or a therapist, I usually recommend them starting with a therapist just because it um, it helps them understand a lot better to like even know what to come to coaching with or have a more um more of an understanding of where you want to go next. Uh, but in the difference of what I do, where I would feel, um, where I would 
turn someone away to therapy is if um, it's not in my wheelhouse of what I do. And again, we start all these arrangements with a consult. Um, so we get to know if we're a good fit and all that kind of stuff. So in that conversation, I'll get the information I need. You ask me a bunch of questions where you get the information you need. And if it's just out of my wheelhouse, if it's um, something where I think therapy would be a better fit or you need more um, uh, more support in the experience than I can give, or maybe supplements or medication or things that I cannot prescribe you would be helpful to your situation, then I would um, either send you to a therapist. And when I say send, I mean back out into the world. I'll have my own recommendations, but you get to choose um, or recommend in tandem with coaching. Okay. Same. As an ADHD coach, I always recommend if someone has not gone to therapy, definitely go to therapy for a million different reasons. But I feel like if there are a lot of unresolved issues that are kind of underlying, sometimes that stops the process of the action orientedness of coaching. So absolutely. Therapy is very important. Um, Let's see. How has being a pleasure coach helped you as an individual? Yeah, it is like, I can't even quantify it. Um, (laughs) But there's this saying, I guess, in the industry that like you niche down to what you need help with the most um, or your growth area. So this historically has been where I've needed the most help, where I, you know, delay my own joy of like, oh, I haven't done this yet, or I have to do this before I could get this, or I have to hit this goal before I even let myself take a break. Like that was me. Um, And the uh, putting everybody else first and no, I'm okay. No, it's fine. No, I don't need it. Not even asking for what I want. Like that was me. And it's something that I still struggle with in certain areas and certain levels of really putting myself first and doing what I want to do and being authentic in any space that I enter and all that kind of stuff is, is my own work. I am my own testimony. So like the being a pleasure coach has helped me. Well, honestly, it's like I've used my own journey to help others is an easier way to say it. (laughs) Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I've listened to your podcasts and definitely hearing kind of your own stories about finding happiness in relationships and career wise is definitely super inspiring because also recovering people pleaser here, the journey never ends. Um, So it is good to hear how someone else deals with that because it's a long journey. Yeah. Lifetime. Yes, absolutely. Is there anything else that you feel Um, people should know about hiring a pleasure coach and how it can help them? Um, Hiring a pleasure coach, a life coach of any sort is something that has to resonate with you. Uh, If you like like anything that I said or want to learn more, of course, you can find me on the internet at Amber Taylor Coaching. But um, Whenever you invest in yourself or a coaching program or therapy program or whatever, you want to do it not because you think that that thing is going to be the missing piece or solve all your problems or it's it's just that one thing that you need and then everything else will like you don't want to approach it 
from that perspective, because there is no one thing that solves everything. There is no shiny thing. There is no whatever. Um, but when you approach it from the place of I'm looking for help, I'm looking for guidance, I'm looking for support, I'm looking for something to add to what I already have, um, but you still see yourself as um, more than enough as the person who is the best person that has the answers for you, then that's the time to invest. Uh, I think that's those are the that's the beginning or the foundations of the best relationships. Um, and I am now losing my train of thought. <laughs> I, I you you answered it, and I want to add to that for sure. I would say that um, when I started doing coaching, I think I was a f- couple years into my own like the therapy experience that I really enjoyed and found value. And I think that like, you really have to do some shopping to find the therapist, like your therapist most times. Um, and don't be afraid to like move to a different therapist of the first one, second one, third one you have is not it. But anyway, so I, I found the one that really resonated with me and I was very much in that space it, of like, okay, I need you to fix me because like everything is wrong. And she really helped me come to a space where I was like, I really love and accept me. And anything I do after this is like something that I want to do to add to me. And I think that's when my own coaching started working for me um, because I accepted who I was and I was way more open to making changes because of where I was from that healing. So Yes, exactly. And it's like your therapist or coach can help you get to that point of like full self-acceptance, but you don't want to enter into a coaching or therapy relationship thinking that it's going to solve everything. And like this person has all the answers because it's still you're still going to be doing the work. Mm-hmm. That the bottom line is that you're going to be doing the work I have uh, on my um quiz on my website I have like are you open to trying new strategies I'd then like if no I don't have a magic wand because I think some people think like you are going to make this change happen for me and it's like I'm going to facilitate the change but the work is on you so because yeah. it's like don't you know you just have to wake up at the ass crack of dawn and then <laughs> do a morning routine and then uh yoga five times a day and then your life's perfect then it's, and I'll do it for you. Actually, I'll come over and I will do the yoga for you and everything is solved. So I'll call you every hour on the hour, make sure all your tasks are done. And yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you. Okay. So you gave me, you gave me your website, I think. Where else can people find you online? Uh, yes. Um, Instagram is Amber Taylor Coaching. Website is ambertaylorcoaching.com. And I have a podcast as well called The Pleasure Priority with Amber Taylor on all streaming platforms. Which is really good stuff. So definitely check it out. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much. And I will be checking in with your podcast very soon myself. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for tuning in to the ADHD Coach Podcast. For more information, you can visit my website, GloriaJoyShirad.com. There you'll find information about coaching packages, purchasing my book, Adulting with ADHD, and viewing my documentary, also Adulting with ADHD. And of course, don't forget to subscribe.